and in the secret place where they will have an encounter with the presence of God and you began to give them a purpose you began to prepare them and give them an assignment why? because the time we're living in right now is very similar to the time back then because of hundreds of years before that God gave Abraham a dream before they even went to Egypt he gave him a dream and I think it's in Genesis chapter 15 and God spoke to Abraham in the dream and he says your, your, your people will be slaves in a foreign land you know and he spoke of they'll be oppressed but he says I'll bring them out on the fourth generation and he says they'll come out with great possessions but in the dream it tells us that horror and great darkness came upon Abraham in other words of horror and great you see God was giving Abraham a taste a taste of what the people were going to experience which would take them to that point where they were desperate they were absolutely desperate and horror and great darkness means it was horrific God was giving Abraham a wee taste of what the people were going to have to go through and it was going to be horrific and it was going to be darkness and that's what took them at that point of desperation and it's the same today right now within society people are going through things that is absolutely horrific they're experiencing horror and great darkness you know family breakdown mental health addiction you know Scotland now is the drug capital of Europe I don't know why but there's deep darkness within this nation because I mean, I mean, dysfunction is absolutely everywhere. You know, not just within Scotland, within England, Ireland, Europe, various countries, you know, there is dysfunction, there is darkness, but Scotland being the drug capital of Europe, so darkness is raining. There's stuff happening, but it's absolutely horrific. And that's the way it was back in Moses' day, when he began to have an encounter with the presence of God. You know, and God began to commission them and began to give them an assignment saying, I'm going to send you to take these people out. See, this was the first encounter recorded that Moses ever had. But it really opened up the way to a lifestyle of experiences that Moses would have for the next 40 years. And it wasn't was just experiencing the presence of God. They would become, it would come to a place, even in the first experience, where there was dialogue taking place between him and God. One experience after the next, after the next. And many people within the scriptures and even from throughout history have testified to really enter into this realm, the realm of the presence of God. And they became carriers of the presence. And their lives become, there's something about them that become different, unique, and their lives become distinguished. You know, they begin to have a dynamic effect on the people they come into contact with. See, if we go out there and we talk to people, and even talk to people in here, and if the presence of God is not upon our lives, there's nothing different about us than the people we're talking to. But when we begin to experience the presence of God, what we say and how we act will have an impact. You know, it will begin to touch lives and when we begin to experience God in a way that is supernatural, something within us is awakened. You know, something for more 
of that which we're experiencing, you know, something is awaiting for, for many people. You know, some people have told me they've had the experience with God, and that experience with God, and, and whatever. But there's no hunger there, there's no hunger there, you know, for more, there is no thirst there. For, for, but many people there is, something is awakening within them, you know, where they want to experience God. And they'll pay any price, you know, to enter into that realm. You know, I watched a, a, a woman just a couple of years ago on YouTube, and, and her and her husband have got a church in America, there's about 6,000 people in it, and I forget their names, but they're, they were well, they're well known. And the husband, he passed away, he must have only been in his 50s, and she, uh, she, she continued, to, she took over the church, you know, and this day she was preaching, just a video popped up on YouTube and I said, I'm going to watch that in a, in a press play. And she, in her message as she was preaching, she began to speak about this vision that her husband had and he had shared it before and she began to share it again. And he seen people, floods of humanity, going through their lives. And what they were doing is, it was people who were disciplined and people who were focused and people who appeared to be very productive in life. And they were, at uh, uh, one season in their life, they were going through, they were being educated, you know, and they were investing in their education. And uh, then they went from just school to university. And at that particular season, that's what they were focused on at that particular time in their life, investing in at university. You know, these things are good, education is good. Then they were going on to have careers and, and, and get married and investing in their kids. Then they would move into another season. They've been investing in their grandkids and their pensions and all this kind of thing. And they went through life, going from one season to another to the next, you know, and investing in their lives in that particular season they were in. But you began to see masses of them getting into eternity. And everything they had done in this life as moved into eternity meant absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because it was done out with a relationship with God. See, these things are all good. It's good to invest in things that are productive, you know. It's the Bible says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue, and take dominion. In other words, we are wired for success. We are wired to succeed. God wants us to, 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 to succeed. But it's got to be done through, within, out, out with a relationship with God. See, the first commandment says that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. You know, and uh, in other words, we have to invest in that first commandment. We have to live our lives from that place. And everything, we, everything else we do should flow out of that. You know, this life compared to eternity is it's just, it's, it's going to be very, very quick compared to eternity. And what we do in this life has eternal significance. What we invest our lives in uh, has, you know, there's going to be eternal reward because in the eternal value to what we do now, the decisions we make now will affect not just tomorrow but even eternity. You know, last year I was speaking and uh, a church in Greenock, the Struthers Church in Greenock, uh, and uh, I got asked to go and get my testimony. I spoke in a few of the churches, but I was quite kind of uh, quite surprised. And uh, I'd been affected by the Struthers ministry years ago, way back in 2006, just really with the presence of God and having experiences in the church, even even shaking uh, under the power of God. So I went to the Struthers in Greenock. It was a, a Sunday night. 
and uh, well, I, I, I was to give my testimony and uh, as I was giving the testimony I began to intertwine it with different things that God was showing me you know about the coming move of God and that was fine I finished speaking when I sat down and the woman who's in charge of the Shrillers movement uh, Hugh Black's daughter Grace her name as some of you will know her and some of you know Diana and people like that but uh, I sat down and she says, oh that was wonderful Alan, and etc, etc. So I spoke to a few people at the end and it was one of the last people to leave the place and uh, uh, left, left the place and I seen this woman come and I think she came out another door and it looked like the same woman again, Grace, but, but as she got closer to me I realised it wasn't her and the woman began to talk away to me and I began to have a conversation with her and she says, some of the stuff you were talking about tonight and she says, we've been hearing it in this church for 50 years I says, oh, you've been in this church a long time. She says, yes, I'm, I'm Grace's sister. So what she was telling me was, she was Hugh Black's daughter. You know, and I began to, and Hugh Black was powerfully used by God. And he founded the Struthers movement, you know, he came out of the brethren, you know, and he was even ostracised by members of his own family because they believed the way he was interpreting scripture was wrong, the way he began to interpret the scripture was wrong. And, uh, he founded this movement where a woman who was his associate called Mr. Taylor, I've heard many, many stories about him. And, uh, but, so I'm talking to this woman, which was his daughter that particular night, last year. And this is what she said to me, she said her dad and his associate Mr. Taylor, they had cataclysmic encounters. You know, cataclysmic encounters. And what she was basically saying to, to me was, he had profound encounters in the presence of God. And if you listen to the stories about the lives, you wrote many books, say Hugh Black, but if you listen to the stories about the lives, people telling stories, those encounters became one after the other, after the other. They began to experience God in a very supernatural way. Diana, there up in Cumbernauld, she says that this woman, Miss Taylor, was the holiest person she had ever met. You know, and if you get into those churches today, you, the presence of God manifests through the full place. Anytime, you know, thousands of lives, I believe, have been affected by the struggles movement. And it started really with two people, you know, two different people, you know, crying out to God and the presence of God coming upon their lives. You know, so Diana the day who is up and coming on, some of you will know her. Any time, many times when I'm in her presence and she begins to preach, I begin, I begin getting to feel the presence of God manifesting through the full place. And it's thick and there's a warmth to it, you know. And uh, several times over the years, maybe two or three in the last year and a half, she's came to me as I just stand there in the crowd and maybe even small gardens. And she began to pick people out and pray for them. But what's happened is, when she came to me, even the last time she came and she started praying for me, and I began to feel this presence coming off her. You know, and it began to come on to me, and I began to feel waves and waves of the presence of God coming all over me. It was thick, it was coming in through the head, and up through the feet. You know, and what does the presence of God do? It shifts atmospheres, you know. It's, we have a, when we carry the presence of God, we'll have a dynamic effect in the people we come into contact with. You know, and... What is the reason for that? You know, it was started with two people, but it began to multiply to many, many people. You know, where they began to preach homeless, they began to preach 
consecration. And Diana says, I heard them preaching one time, she said within uh, the message that as she was a young girl after she got saved and she got baptized in the Holy Spirit, she'd been in her bedroom at night in the presence of God, she began to something come into the room and it was visible. And she began to have these experiences with the presence of God. And I remember saying to her, having a conversation with her, and I said, that was God preparing you for what you're doing now. You know, and what am I saying here? You know, if we are going to make a difference for Jesus Christ in this generation, we need to have, we, we need to be open to experiencing the presence of God. See, Moses, Moses was in that presence, it was in that glory, not just once or twice, but it came, it became, began to have experience after experience after experience. In Exodus chapter 19, in Exodus chapter 20, it tells us that he was up in the mountain, Mount Sinai, and he was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible says that he never ate and he never drank. It says God came down and God began to manifest on that mountain by fire. And it says there was smoke there, there was thunder, there was lightning. And the Bible never says he was fasting. But I don't believe he was fasting, he was up there twice. Because after three days without water, you begin to dehydrate. But Moses appeared to be absolutely fine. And, you know, it was in that much glory. The glory was that thick. He never had an appetite. He never had to eat. He never had to drink. And God began to have dialogue with him. God gave him the Ten Commandments. He gave him the, the, the design of the tabernacle. He gave him many instructions, many ordinances. It was detailed specific instructions he was getting. You know, then out with that he would go to a place called the Tent of Meeting. And it says the glory of God would come down and the people would watch from afar. Uh, the, the God having Moses having an experience with God. The God would begin to speak to him. You know, in Numbers chapter 12 uh, Miriam and Aaron, see, what was happening with Moses, it began to multiply because remember the 70, it took 70 up the mountain with him, you know, and they experienced God as well. Then it was, it was, I don't know if it was the same 70 or a different 70, I was trying to look at it this morning to try and just, just uh, get that clear, but I'm not sure. There was a 70 that God says to him, take of that spirit which is upon you and place it upon them, that same, that same presence of God. But you know, in Numbers chapter 12, uh, Miriam and Aaron had came against him because he had took an additional wife. Uh, she was uh, no, no, an additional, took an Ethiopian wife, and it was, she was an additional wife. And they were, they were allowed to do that in those days. But uh, they came against him, and it says in the Bible, Numbers chapter twelve, that the God, the God came down in the glory cloud. And it says God stood. This is this is in the Bible. You know that God was coming down. And he was standing upon the earth, standing in the glory cloud, and he called out Moses, and he called out Aaron and Miriam, and he began to interact with them. This was the level of encounters people were having within the scriptures. And people have, this has continued throughout history, and even to our current day, people are testifying to having experiences in the presence of God, which is supernatural. And God began to rebuke. Uh, Aaron and Miriam because they came against Moses 
this was the level of favour that was upon Moses' life. And he says this, he says, if there's a prophet among you, he says, I myself make, I make myself known to them in a dream. I speak to them in a vision. He says, but not so with my servant Moses. He says, I speak to him face to face as one that would speak to his friend. He says, and he sees the form of the Lord. See, Moses, he was saying that people, prophets are prophetic people. They were experiencing something that was supernatural through dreams and visions. That is supernatural. He says, but even more so Moses. He says, he has a different level of encounter. He was experiencing the glory of God continually. And the, the reason for that is that the passage is going to say, because he is faithful in all my house. He is faithful in all my house. See, Moses got to the end of his life at the age of 120. And he says his eyes did not grow dim. And his natural vigor, vigor we are did not diminish. That means physical and his mental strength. You know, such was the glory of God that Moses was experiencing, that it was bringing renewal to his life. And, you know, what was different about Moses, just let me mention two things. You know, it was in the presence of God. It was having these encounters with the presence of God. And the second thing, being God says, He is faithful in all my house. See, God is looking for faithfulness. He's looking for faithful people in these days. People who will pay any price to come into the, to, to, to any price in the secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, even in the very presence of God. People who will pay the price who will give their very lives, you know, invest their very lives in seeking the face of God. And in that they're going to have encounters with the presence of God. They'll have profound encounters with God will begin to prepare them. See, what I said was, you know, in Exodus chapter 3, it says that Christ, God says, I've heard of Christ. And it says that, you know, people out there today, you know, God is hearing their cries. And there's people out there who are absolutely desperate, you know, through family breakdown, through sin, and they don't know how to get free from it. You know, they're crippled by the disease of sin. The last time I was here, I mentioned suicide. Uh, where I somebody committed suicide, a, a young person. But since then, you know, I went into a waiting room just about a week or two after that, and I picked up uh, the daily record in this waiting room, and it spoke about another suicide in Jemaine. Jemaine is just outside Bushaw. And it was a, a girl at 20 years old, and she was a, a beautiful looking girl. You know, you would think she had everything to live for. She committed suicide as well, she went into the woods and killed herself. There's a woman that comes to the meeting on the Thursday night, an old woman, Margaret, uh, Margaret's. And it's her granddaughter's friend, and Margaret started talking to me about it. She says, I read that in the paper the other day, and I was in a waiting room. And, uh, but the point being, in the newspaper, in the Daily Record, it says that, that suicides have been up 50% in the last year. They've been up 50%, and it's among young people. They may, I think it mentioned the ages between 16 and 24. And that is absolutely massive. And in the last few years, where I live in Lanarkshire, we're hearing about one suicide after the next. 
after the next, after the next. Now what are young people? You know, at that particular age, you know, a lot of them are young. So that tells us that people are desperate. In the same way it was in the book of Exodus, when the people had been oppressed for 400 years, and were desperate, and their cries came up to God. And God said to Moses, their cries have come up before me. And Moses begins to have an encounter in the presence of God. And God begins to commission them. And says, I'm sending you to the people. And I believe we're, it is the exact same today. People are absolutely desperate. You know, Jesus says, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And God has given invitations out right now for people to experience the presence of God. And in that presence is going to prepare them. It's going to commission them to go and reach people. Not just reach people out there, but even affect people in the church. See, when somebody's carrying the presence of God, and you come into contact with them, I'll come into contact with people, when you leave their presence, you feel refreshed. The Bible says times of refreshing will come from the presence of God. And, you know, Moses, the glory would come down. We sang about it in that song, uh, you know, about the presence. It says, your glory, Lord, is what our hearts long for. See, Moses, the glory would come down, the glory cloud, and Moses would begin to interact with God. You know, and see, see how do we how do we transform? The Bible speaks about transformation. In Second Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen, it says this: "And we all, who with unveiled face contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit." So the Apostle Paul is telling us here. If we want to be transformed, the only way that is going to happen is through experiencing the glory of God. And it is supernatural. And Paul said, that glory is ever increasing. It's ever increasing. In that same chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul begins to write, and he begins to point back to Moses' day. And he says, that glory that Moses and the, the people who were experiencing back then, he says, that was a glory that was passing away. It was passing away. It wasn't perfected. You know, meaning it was the old covenant and it was going to pass away. And it was going to, that was going to make room for a new covenant. And that new covenant will never pass away. And Paul goes on to say, the glory now within the new covenant is a glory that excels. Meaning it's going to bypass that which Moses experienced. And this is what these last days are going to be about. It's about the glory of God transforming people into the image of Christ with ever increasing glory. How does it happen? It happens when an individual begins to encounter the presence of God in a profound way. And how, how, how does that happen for each individual? You know, something within us, you know, we have got to come to that place where we are absolutely desperate to experience God. And something within us has got to be awakened, you know, to believe, firstly, to, to know that, to really, for our eyes to be opened 
to uh, see the attraction of seeking the face of Jesus Christ. I remember a guy, I know, in fact, he came in my door last week actually, and, uh, and, and he walks with God and he backslides, he walks with God and he backslides, and he walks with God, and I says, if only you knew, if only you could see a wee glimpse of what God had for you, you wouldn't be backsliding. If only, if, if only his eyes could be open to the attraction of seeking the face of God and the outworking of that and the overflow of that. You know, we need to come to a place in our lives, you know, where we are desperate to experience the presence of God. And in that place, you know, God is going to do something within us. Then something will be go, go, begin to flow from us. Look at Moses. Look at it started with one encounter in the presence of God that led to encounter after encounter after encounter. Experience after experience. I mentioned those people who struggles. What is different about them? They've had encounters in the presence of God. Profound encounters, their lives that have affected my life, you know, impacted my life and believe me it is. Back in Moses' time, these people were in bondage. But, it, but a day came, but it was a new day, a new beginning. God said, I'm going to take them out of bondage. You know, I'm going to take them out from Egypt into the wilderness, then into the promised land. And there's people out there tonight just now that God is wanting to reach. God is what God, you see, you'll come into contact with people. You'll come into contact with people alone. You know, and I can come into contact with people. You want there's so many people out there that you've reached. You all connect with people in different ways. But God has got, you know, He's got a work for us to do. It says that for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of us which any man boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. We're at the end of the age, we're in the last days. And Jesus says at the end of the age will be the harvest. And who's going to, who's God going to use? Who's going to be the catalyst? It's those who are desperate to experience the presence of God. And God says, I'm going to use him, I'm going to use her, and I'm going to do this, that person, that or that person. This life we're just passing through. But you know, Jesus says that what you do now, what you give up now, he says you will receive many more times in this life and in the age to come, eternal life. There's rewards, not just in this life, but even for all of eternity. So I'm just going to pray and hand it back over. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we're asking for the presence of God. Lord, we thank you, Moses, Lord, how he had that encounter in the burn, at the burning bush, an encounter with the presence of God in his life was never the same. But his life began to affect multitudes. His life began to affect the masses. Lord, I've mentioned other people here today who their lives have affected thousands. Thousands, why? Because one person decided I'm going to pay any price, you know, in the secret place of the Most High to experience the presence of God. You said, my psalmist says, my soul longs, yes, even faints for the close of the Lord. My heart 
and my flesh cry out for the living God. Lord, when we're praying, Lord, that you'll help us break through limitations, break through restrictions, Lord, that you would come as a breaker, Lord. David says you've broken through my enemies like a breakthrough of water, Lord. We want to break through into a new dimension, Lord, into a, a higher realm, Lord. We're asking you to open up this realm to us, Lord, in a way that is never you've never done before. I'll be praying for that thousandfold increase, Lord, which speaks about in Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 11. The, the blessing and the increase, Lord. But we're asking for the double portion in these days, Lord. But we want to be people of the presence of God. The, the scripture says about James, uh, not John, was it John and Peter? The, the people could realize they, they, they knew that they, they had been with Jesus. Lord, and we want to come out, get, come into that secret place of the Most High, Lord, and get in and out, in and out, and people would know that we have been with Jesus, Lord. We want our lives to impact others, Lord. We're crying out, Lord, that you would open up the heavens and come down, that the mountains may shake in your presence as you did long ago, Lord. You've done it throughout history, Lord, we're asking you to do it again, Lord. Invade earth. With heaven, Lord, invade this natural realm, Lord, with the supernatural realm of the presence and the power of God. Moses said, He says, My do not, do not bring us up from this place. Unless your presence goes with us, do not bring us up from this place. And you responded, Lord, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses says, Lord, show me your glory. And you says, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord. And I will have, compa have compassion, and of whom I will compassion. Then he says, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means. Uh, clearing the guilty, but visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the fourth, third and fourth generation. Lord, in that glory that you revealed to Moses, you also revealed your nature. That's what you say, you declared your nature, Lord. It wasn't just about experience, it was about hearing the voice of God, Lord. And we are wanting to hear the voice of God in these days, Lord. We are asking to experience the presence of God in these days, Lord, not just as individuals, Lord, but we're beginning to open up over churches, Lord. We thank you, it's going to open over churches, Lord. It's going to open over communities, Lord, that you've done in time past, and you've done it in Wales, Lord, and Lewis, Lord, and, and Azusa Street, Lord. You opened the heavens, Lord, over geographical regions and even over nations, Lord. And we're praying, Lord, for the heavens to open, Lord over our lives, Lord, and over churches, over nations, Lord, over regions, over families, Lord. We are crying out, Lord. We're crying out, Lord, in these days. Those Israelites cried out. They cried out because of the bondage. And it says their cries came up to God. Their cries came up to God and God acknowledged them. And God remembered His covenant with Abraham and with Isaac. And with Jacob, it says God came down. Lord, we are asking you to remember your covenant. We have a covenant with you because of Jesus Christ. 
is a better covenant with better promises. Lord, and we are asking, Lord, for you to move in this generation, Lord. That you will touch a generation, Lord. Lord, we will experience your presence, Lord, like never before. We were transformed in that glory. Transformed into the image of Christ, Lord. Touch your hearts this, this morning, Lord, as we begin to worship, Lord, and praise your holy name, Lord. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the cross. Lord, may you receive the full reward of your suffering, Lord. Lord, people out there are tormented. They are tormented. They are broken. They are bound in all sorts of things. There's, there's injustice, Lord. There's people, you know, suffering through no fault of their own. Some through their own fault. Some, you know, through no fault of their own. There's innocent kids, Lord. There's a sex slave trade, Lord. May raise up people. Carriers of the presence, Lord. Glory carriers, Lord. Send them into the nations, Lord. The harvest is that the fields are way unto harvest. The harvest is great, but the labors are few, Lord. So we're praying, Lord, that you raise up labors. Raise up labors, people of the presence of God. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us, Lord. This is that my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal the land. Oh Lord, we're asking, Lord, we're desperate. We are desperate, Lord, for you. We're desperate for you to move in this generation, Lord. Thank you for coming to these one, Lord. Thank you for coming to many places, Lord. This anointing, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that these prayers are going to be answered, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ.